Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on a Saturday afternoon in the great state of Texas. Hope you're doing well. Hope you got some great plans you're thinking of for Thanksgiving. I know there's, for some of us, there's still work to do uh, in the days before Thanksgiving. Hey, I'm not complaining. I feel blessed to do the work that I do, but I'm just saying. Some people, you may already be kind of in pre-Thanksgiving mode. I've still got some work to do. Some of that work is getting the word out to people that our annual gala is coming up in Houston on December 7th. So if you're in our radio listening audience, uh, maybe a little bit of a trip for you, not too long, to get out to the west side of Houston. I think it's going to be worth it. We're going to have people from Dallas, from Corpus Christi coming in town. You can stay the night at the Hilton Post Oak where our gala is going to be. Go to txvalues.org to see information about that. December 7th, Texas Values Gala. Fox News host Todd Starnes is going to keynote. Attorney General Ken Paxson is going to be there. Uh, The Privacy Act author Lois Kolkhorst and a number of other people. Uh, Rafael Cruz, Ted Cruz's father, is going to do the opening prayer. So going to be a great event. Uh, Probably 350, 400 folks there. So our biggest event of the year. And this is our annual fundraiser, so it's an opportunity for us to raise money to support the work that we do. This is how you can help us stay on the air, stay active, do the work we do for faith, family, and freedom in Texas. So you can find out txvalues.org. Go to the website. Excuse me. You can order your tickets today, txvalues.org. So, look, I'm going to be in Houston uh, this coming week. That's where most of my family is, and I'll be celebrating Thanksgiving there. And on our next show, I'll talk a little bit more about Thanksgiving, but, you know, just so you know some things I'll be doing, uh, putting together, trying to put together my famous key lime pie that I do make from scratch. So, hey, you know. I, I, I'm not just a lawyer, so the uh, our studio host here is is asking me to bring him one. We'll see. Yeah, I might. I've been known to make more than one at a time, you know, because if you're going to fire up the oven you and, and get the blender out, you might as, might as well make more than one. And I uh, my experience has been there's not much left behind. They're usually enjoyed. So, uh, But, hey, look, we've got our guest today on the line, so... Let's jump right into that, and I'll talk a little bit more about our gala after this segment and Thanksgiving setup and all that good stuff. But joining us today for the first time, I believe, on the Texas Values Report is Representative James Frank. Representative Frank, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, it's my pleasure, and I, I guess it's, for being on the show, I guess I get one of those key lime pies, right? Yeah, we'll see about that. I don't know if they hold together all the way up to Wichita Falls if I drop one in the mail. But well, um, I'll, come, I'll come get it. But we, yeah, we'll, we may we'll try to make some other arrangements, if you will. But right. uh, Representative Frank is state representative from the Wichita area. Counties he represents are Archer, Baylor, Clay. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Fard? How do you pronounce Ford. it? Ford. Ford, just forget the A's there. Forget Ford. the A. There, you know, there are so many parts of Texas that I still am not familiar with. It, it's interesting. But anyway, he, he's a state representative from that area. He graduated from Ryder High School. He's got a degree in finance from Texas A&M University. We'll have to maybe talk some football in a minute. But um, And has represented this area 
uh, for quite some time, and he's got a great business background. He's got a wonderful family. Uh, they uh, Some of their kids are, are homeschooled. I think all of them were homeschooled at some point. They're, uh, he and his wife, Alicia, married 27 years, are active members at First Baptist Church of Wichita Falls, and he's a deacon at the church and a life group leader. So, Representative Franks, good to have you on. Talk a little bit about policy and things that are going yeah, on. And, you know, look, we had intended to talk right after the session ended, but I think, you know, like so many of us, we were just glad that it was, or, you know, celebrating the fact that it ended. So we want to get it back to our families and get back to our communities. But you did something very important during the session. There was a lot of things that you did that were important, but there was one thing we particularly interacted with, with you on, and that was House Bill 3859. So, and I'll, and I'll take our listeners back you know, we had a regular session, we had a special session, and one of the things that did happen during the regular session was what was our primary, excuse me, our top priority for religious liberty bills is that you were the leader to pass legislation that protects the religious liberty rights of adoption and foster care agencies throughout the state. Many of them were on the verge of being closed. Uh, Some of them had closed temporarily. And so these faith-based entities are very key for the services that children need. All they wanted to do was have their First Amendment rights protected so they could continue to do what they do best. Tell us a little bit about that experience and and why this issue was so important to you. Well, you know, at the end of the day, the reason the issue is important is we need all hands on deck in trying to address uh, the foster care problem. And, And the government wants to continue to do things that make it more and more difficult for people uh, to participate, and especially in this case, uh, folks who have a faith-based background make it difficult uh, for them to do it. They basically say, well, yeah, we want you in here, but you have to do this and this and this, and some of the some of the things they want you to do uh, are completely against your faith background. And it really seems like from a targeting standpoint, it's prim- it is primarily Christians that get um, targeted. You know, it, it seems like the government is very good at trying to make accommodations, which we should for Muslims and uh, every other type of religion except Christianity. Um, that seems to be the one that we don't want to make accommodations. We government seems to want to squeeze that out, or there are those who want to. And I think uh, this bill, and this bill doesn't target just Christians. It, it allows all faiths freedom uh, to participate. Well, that's right. And, you know, the, it allows for the ability to build a diverse network of providers and families to serve kids. Um, It it allows churches or faith-based ministries to follow their beliefs when they're doing this type of work. It doesn't stop anyone from adopting or being a part of the foster care network. And and it really makes sure that that there's more of of an inclusive environment, a larger sphere, if you will, of groups. Because as we know, from what we've been told from the state, 25% of the adoption and foster care providers are faith-based. So if the state becomes so restrictive and they allow some people outside of the state or, or that are, you know, that have their views, different views on religious beliefs to punish these faith-based entities and push them out of the system, the CPS system itself will crumble. I mean, this is something that... No, it's very important from a capacity standpoint, yes. extremely important. And, you know, I think one of the challenges is uh, uh, some folks on the left have become so you know, they, they say they're tolerant, but they're really tolerant as long as you agree with them. I want everyone to be able, every everyone who will be good to kids, I want everybody to participate. But that doesn't mean that everybody has to look the same, be the same, act the same, think the same. And I, I think it's actually a much more open-minded approach 
uh, to what we're talking about, which is to say, you know what, you can have a faith background and still participate in government, that you don't have to leave your uh, religious beliefs at the door. Um, and so well, I think and in, it's in this situation, we're talking with Representative James Frank about the bill that's now in law, House Bill 3859. In this situation, you know, you, you have churches, faith-based ministries, adoption, foster care providers doing what they do best, serving children, uh, serving people that are need. And, and really, they're a service to the state, if you will, uh, of all of our children in the state of Texas. But just from the governmental perspective, they're a service because the state agencies are asking more people to engage and to help in this type of space. And so it's not a situation where the government is kind of giving religious groups some type of break. The state needs these religious entities to do this, and many of them have been doing it um, a long time. And whether or not the state was or government was involved in anything, they would still be doing this. This is just, and many of them, it's not just Texas; they do it internationally. Groups like Buckner Catholic Charities has does this work across the country, and so. But we've seen cases come up. States like Massachusetts, Illinois, California, where faith-based providers have been closed, and and, and let's you know many of those cases are about faith-based providers having a belief of traditional marriage that's biblically based. Many of them also have a belief that they don't want to be required to refer for abortions when they're a part of the foster care process. And that shouldn't that's nothing new. I mean, this is a part of what these groups believe. And so, but we've seen litigation come up. And so in, in absence of a state law that makes it clear that government cannot punish them and push them out of the system, you had providers that were not offering these, these services. Now that the law's been signed and we're three or four months in, I'm hearing reports that these providers are now opening back up their doors and even looking yep. at meeting more needs than they were before. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the case. There's several there's several groups. In fact, we're putting them together. It was just a meeting a couple of days ago. I haven't seen the results of that, but people talking about where they have expanded uh, already their service. And I want everybody to expand. Uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna lovingly take care of kids, then we want you we want you at the table. Um, but we certainly, you know, I, it's really frustrating. Some of the people that were against it basically say, "Look, if you do work with the government, you need to do whatever they say." And I'm like, "Yeah, but there's some things the government shouldn't say. The government shouldn't say." You can't have a religious belief that differs from ours. Yeah, you know, uh, you can establish a religion a lot of different ways, including if you crush religion, um, and that seems to be what government wants to do sometimes now. Well, and and some of this, I in my experience, is people that want to force the hand of the government to do certain things. They want to make people in the government believe that you can't balance these interests, that you can't respect the religious values of certain entities that are providing a service to our children um, without pushing them out of the system completely. And that's just not true. I mean, we've we see that all the time. And so, you know, in states like Texas, where you have a governor like Greg Abbott and you've got people that a lot of times are in these uh, higher positions, that they probably support religious liberty, but then they get pressure from other groups or individuals uh, to try to to, to put uh, policies in place or to threaten to sue the state if they respect the religious views of these other sure. entities. So, this, or like California boycotted us. Yes. So, this. so I have that in my notes. So, oh, I'm sorry. The state of <laughs> yeah. California has banned travel. State-funded travel to the state of Texas. 
What's that? But not to Cal- but not to China. Yes, but not to other states or excuse me, countries where we know the human rights violations are absolutely atrocious, right? So you got this double standard or you know this inconsistency. But you know they, <laughs> and it's interesting because you know I joked. Okay, so let's let's talk about football for just a second, right? You're an A and M guy. I'm a I'm a University of Texas guy. I kind of was like, hey, look. Good. If the state of California can't use money to come to Texas, that means they can't come here and try to take our football recruits. So, you know, amen to that. No, but but I mean, here's the thing is another way. I mean, this is the government of California trying to dictate our policy and then trying to punish people. Um, I don't think that messaging has worked out real well for them, though. No. And there's like there. I think there's eight states now that they've banned travel to. So they're fixing to be on an island. But you know, at the end of the day, you got to go back on this particular issue to kids, and you, yeah. we need to make it easier for for great organizations to help kids. And you know, I've used this because people say, "Well, how is this not hurting?" When you allow people to specialize, you know, you allow a, a faith based Christian organization, or honestly, you can you allow a Jewish focused organization or a Muslim organization or whatever. If you allow somebody to specialize, that brings more people, not less, in it. And I, I use this example in my um, in, in my testimony for this. I said, you know, my my wife and I adopted a couple kids uh, out of the foster care system, a couple of boys. Well, we had had four boys of our own. We had a home set up for boys. We were nearly fifty. Um, we we were saying we will do boys, and they need to be older than seven or eight because honestly, you know, people already think we're their grandparents. Uh, you know, we just we're not good. Now, is that specialization? If the government had said no, you know what, you have to do whatever we say, then that would have put that would have pulled us out, right? But because I allowed, we were allowed to specialize, then we were able to provide a home for two boys. And when you allow people to serve the way they want to serve, allow a little bit of freedom, then more people can come in. And I think it's the same way with you allow religious-based organizations, yet these other folks can go somewhere else. Well, and that's the thing, too, is this is not a new concept with CPS. I mean, this is something that they look at trying to match, if you will, um, children with a home or a family that is comfortable to them or that is similar to something that that really is in a way, if you will, serves their best interest. And and sometimes that may not be the case, but oftentimes they're engaged in those kind of things. You know, so you have some of that commonality. I mean, because look, I, you know, I had someone in my home that was uh, my cousin who was a teenager and had two years left in, in high school. And he lived with me for a year and a half, got him through high school, and he got his, co- his, his high school diploma, which was the goal. And then he moved back to the Houston area. We were family, okay? We were blood relatives, and and I had known him since his birth. I knew his father, who had sadly passed away um, a few years before. And still, there was some, you know, as you can imagine, some things that you kind of have to work through. And sure. so, so um, I don't. I think a lot of people don't realize that the way they do these things is to try to minimize some of those things to make a more hom- harmonious environment. And so absolutely. Uh, so it's nothing new. But, you know, we've seen litigation on this issue because there are some people, particularly groups on sexuality issues that become very active. They've uh, become very hostile to these type of ideas and, and is the reason why 
there's been a need for specific language in state law. There are state laws on religious freedom, but the suggestion has been, oh, that doesn't apply in these situations. So you have these kind of special situations or laws that are very specific. Okay, in this situation, here's how religious freedom works. We've already seen Michigan has a law like this, and their excuse me, their law has been challenged in court, I believe, by the ACLU. I'm not sure anything's yeah, no. happened yet as far as no, any the, rulings. It's been filed, but it, it is interesting that the people who file suits on this are not involved in taking care of kids. Yeah. ACLU doesn't provide any services to kids, right? They're just trying, really, they're trying to take out essentially a quarter of the folks that are because they don't agree with them. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's not okay in my opinion. In fact, yeah. Well, we, and we need to make it easier, not harder, for people to get involved with kids. I think that's right. I mean, and, and you see uh, a need. And, and look, you know, I mean, I don't know. We were talking about this earlier this week. Um, you think about Hurricane Harvey and the impact that is, this is going to have on families, the impact on people moving to different parts of the state. You know, I think the more that we're sending the message that churches and people of faith are welcome and encouraged to be involved in serving people who um, have a variety of needs, that that is a benefit. I mean, 80% of the, the recovery and relief effort in Houston, particularly in other parts of the state um, after Hurricane Harvey, were faith-based entities. I mean, look, that's just what we do, right? Sure. And so, yeah. and we should want that. That means less, typically, that's less tax dollars that are going to yeah, be virtually used. virtually all of these, virtually every organization, everyone that I know of that is in this uh, area in this working with kids, yes, they may get some government reimbursement, but they are also putting a significant amount of their own dollars providing services that the government doesn't to kids, wraparound services and that and that kind of thing. So we we are getting it's it's a great deal, and these places are not making money off us. They may be getting reimbursed for some of their costs, uh, but I don't think you know when you look at it, most of these organizations, the the religion, the thing that they believe is what is driving them to work with orphans, right? So, but then, but then we're saying, by the way, you need to not pay attention to the rest of your beliefs. Yeah, that and 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 that's not okay. And that's problematic. Well, we thank you for your work on House Bill thirty eight fifty nine. And thank signed, you for your help. As signed well. by the governor, you know, through our um, partner organization, Texas Values Action. Representative James Frank was named as a Faith and Family Champion this year for this work. This is one of the most important religious liberty laws that was passed in the country. Um, you know, and and we're seeing that with some of the pushback in other states and others, um, what people, you know, why it was needed when you see that kind of response. And so we thank you for that. We just got a couple minutes left. So I want to work in a little football talk. All right. All right. Even though this is a faith, family and freedom show, uh, we know football. we faith know how, family, fo- freedom, how football, football is kind of a religion to some people. All right. So my Longhorns are playing. um Texas Tech on Friday, which I'm not even going to get into, you know, why we're not playing on Thanksgiving. Your Aggies are playing where the, the next game? Uh, next game, uh, Ole Miss. And what day, Miss. what day do y'all play on? On Saturday? I think we play on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. So when are we going to play again on, on Thursday? Does the legislature have some influence on that or what? Well, I hope the legislature <laughs> doesn't stick their nose in that. We got, I think we have enough stuff to focus on without deciding who plays who in football. Do you miss that game, though, when, te- when oh, Texas yeah. and Texas A&M on, on yeah, Thanksgiving? Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I hope we play it again. I just hope the legislature will focus on important stuff. And, no, you're right. Uh, you're right. Football is, football is fun, but I don't know that we need to. That's you know. right. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. I have only been to 
two games when Texas and A&M played, and we won both times. But I bet you've been to, to quite a few. Am I right? I've I, I, I been to quite a few, and we actually won some of them. <laughs> well, um, you know, look, and however the game would go, I always enjoyed it. That was a great part of Thanksgiving. I missed the game. I recognize, you know, whatever factors led to how things are. Uh, but, look, uh, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving with your family. Um, I'm sure you'll probably be watching some football at some point, whether, you know, regardless yep. of what day our teams fall on. Um and so we'll look forward to having you back on the show again, and we'll look forward to working right. with you on these issues. As we know, there's going to be more talk about this very important law and, and the importance of religious freedom for our faith-based adoption and foster care providers. So, Representative Frank— Thanks for having me on, and I appreciate uh, really do appreciate all that you do. Well, God bless you, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right. See you. Well, that's good stuff. You know how I am. I like to work in a little football talk if it's relevant every now and then. I mean, if you've never met James Frank— he probably could play on a college football team. Okay, the guy is stout. All right, he's a big guy. Anyway, he looks like he stays in pretty good shape. But um, you know, look, I mean, I was having a little fun with the A and M Aggie Texas thing. I missed the game being on on Thanksgiving, and so you know, there'll be other football to watch and all that. But you know, and look, um, I'm trying to think of where we are on the date. I know for our Aggie friends too. And I just want to mention this, that, you know, for many of them, when this time of year comes around, they remembered the um, bonfire tragedy. And I'm trying to think of what year it was. And forgive me, I think it was 99. And, um, you know, look, hey, I'm a Longhorn fan, but certainly I had friends that were at A&M at that time or had gone to a and I'm looking, yeah, it was in 89, 99. And so, um, you know, we sure think about that every year and really sad for that tragedy. But, you know, look, this is this is a part of the culture of our state, too, a part of, you know, college life, a part of the football, the, the Thanksgiving environment that you kind of remember and you don't forget. And so um, but, you know, a lot to be thankful for. I'll talk a little bit more about Thanksgiving next week. But just as a preview, as you're making some preparations, a lot to be thankful for. You know, good time to start thinking about that as we get close to next week to be thankful for the uh, the the freedoms we have, the the days we have, the you know the the friends and families in our own life, and you know to have good representation from people like James Frank and others on these issues. Another thing I'm thankful for is the Merry Christmas Project. Okay, if you're not familiar with that, there's a state law in Texas uh, that was put into law in. 2013 that protects the celebration and discussion celebration and discussion of Christmas in public schools. If you go to MerryChristmasTexas.com, the website we have set up, you can see all the information about it. And uh, this state law is very simple. You want to wish somebody a Merry Christmas if your school is having a party or some type of celebration and you want to bring gifts and have decoration items that are Christmas-related. They can't treat you differently. You may remember last year, we worked on a court case on this issue. So we had a law in place so we could avoid court cases, but still we had a school district that was, you know, wanted to quibble with us on, on what the law really meant. They tried to say it was complicated. We're like, no, that's why we wrote the law. So we, you didn't have to be filled like the U.S. Supreme Court cases on these issues were complicated. So um, last year, Deidre Shannon, who is a public school clinic aide, a nurse's aide, and clean ISD 
was told, like everyone else, they could put up Christmas decorations, so she did. And then the decoration she put on her door was a depiction of a scene from Charlie Brown's Christmas. Okay, first of all, if you haven't seen the movie Charlie Brown's Christmas, you need to see it. Uh, great movie, if you haven't seen it. Classic. And just, well, there's a part of the movie, though, where Linus, it's like towards the end. It's like the pinnacle scene. He's on stage, and there's a spotlight on him. And the whole thing is about Charlie Brown asking, what's Christmas about? So Linus is like, here's what Christmas is about. And he references what appears to be a quote from the Bible, and he talks about the history of Christmas, and and he mentions Jesus. and and uh, So anyway, the, the poster from Deidre Shannon quoted from the movie and put Linus on there. Like, this is a quote from Linus, but Linus's quote included Jesus. Uh, because that's what Linus said, you know, for unto us in the city of David, a savior is born and his name is Christ the King. Um, so uh, she was told she had to take it down because it referenced Christ and that was religious, but the rest of the poster could stay up. So she said, look, you know, they said, tear the whole thing down or take that portion off. She wasn't going to rip up her poster. And we tried to get the school district to reason with us on it. They wouldn't. Uh, the attorney general's office sent a letter over, said there's no reason the poster needs to come down. They wouldn't listen to them. We went to court. We won. All right. I'm running out of time. That's the short portion of the story. It's because we have laws in place like the Merry Christmas law that makes it clear that you can talk about Christmas and bring items related to Christmas in public schools. So go to MerryChristmasTexas.com. We know a lot of schools are planning their parties and celebrations now. Find out what the law is. Print out our one-pager and get educated. And send it in a donation to our nonprofit work at txvalues.org. That's one way to say you're thankful for the work we do. We'll see you next week.